Well, good morning and welcome. Are we uh, about done with leftovers now? We've had a had a good week. We're going to talk about something today that you probably don't get much of. It's a some Bible verses that it's not used very often. And we're going to talk about that for a second as why why that is that certain times that we tend to to shy away from certain portions of the Bible. And this one here talks directly about Jesus. And you would say, well, what about Jesus would would make us want to to shy away in any way, shape, or form? And um, I recall a a movie, and they was sitting down for their, their prayer before their dinner. And the person praying was addressing the little baby Jesus. And he was corrected by someone else at the table and said, you do realize that little baby grew up and became a man and all the things that he did. And uh, he said, yes, I realize it, but I just prefer this this version. That's what I like to imagine in my mind when I'm praying. And for many of us, we are just like that. We tend to want to focus on what we like. We don't want to see everything. And there's many different instances where people try to modify what the Word is telling us, and we take and pick and choose what we like about Jesus, what we like about God, and want to omit the other parts. All the way down to the the genealogy, many people will argue with you that the people listed in the genealogy of Jesus are not the same people that we may find mentioned in other places because we don't like their character. We don't like what they did or who they are. And we'll be, you know, the idea is like, well, my Jesus can't come from that person because that wasn't a person up to my standards. So it has to be a different person because I need my Jesus to be from a pure, untainted line. They can't be no sin back there or anything like that. They can't anything that's going to distort my image. And we know that God has purpose with everything he does, and God uses imperfect people. That there is not one other than Jesus that has perfect means. And then what we're going to talk about today, we're going to see a little different side of Jesus than we're used to. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 15. Give it just a second. Mark 11 and 15. And above is the heading, Jesus cleanses the temple. And the title of today's message is, Turning the Tables. And 11 and 15, And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple, and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. And he overthrew the tables, the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves. And I would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And it is taught, saying unto them, It is not, it is not written, My house shall be called for all nations the house of prayer. But there has made it a den of thieves." 
And the scribes and the chief priests heard it, and they thought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when even they come, he went out of the city. Alright, so we have a very different side of Jesus. You know, we picture the, the loving Jesus. We've pictured the turning the other cheek Jesus. We picture the Jesus that freely gives himself up, freely turns himself over and becomes a sacrifice for the world. But here we see a Jesus that's, shall we say, angry. That he is literally walking in to the temple. He is flipping tables over. He is casting out people. Now, I can imagine when we say the word cast, that's a little bit more forceful than simply just asking you to leave. When I picture the word casting out, that would be putting your hands upon and forcibly escorting you to the door. This is not the Jesus that we typically see. And this is why we uh, tend to, to skim over this a bit because we don't want to put out that, that version of Jesus. You know, we people just doesn't like that. And then also we don't want to intimidate people that... Jesus has this side. But for me, I think that this makes Jesus even more relatable. This shows us that Jesus can have emotions. He can act. He can call out sin. He can stand up and do something about it and yet not sin. He had to go through everything that we went through. And this is another example of how he's dealing with a situation. And that he is handling it. Another reason we don't want to talk about this. We see Jesus in this masculine role. He is charging in. He is taking charge. And he's doing these physical and semi-aggressive Acts, flipping over tables, throwing people out, and he is calling them out. He's not being nice about it. He's not being politically erect about it. He's calling them a den of thieves. Today we call that toxic masculinity. So we don't want to talk about that in this modern world because it goes against what the world says we should do. But Jesus is given an example of what we should do. Now, before we get too in-depth about it, I want to talk about exactly what's going on here in this temple and why Jesus is so upset about it. Okay, so as we know, or we should know, is that Jesus is the ultimate living sacrifice. That before 
Jesus did His finished work on the cross, every time that a person needed to talk to God, there had to be a blood sacrifice. And no matter what the situation was, whether it was for repentance, whether it was for for harvest, whether it was for atonement, whatever the situation was, the blood sacrifice needed to be made because God cannot look upon us because of our sin. So this blood sacrifice had to be made so we could make that connection with God. Now Jesus came along. He made that one-time living sacrifice to blanket cover us all for everything. So through his sacrifice, we can go to God anytime. He eliminated this situation that we had prior to that. He just took it away. He'd done away with it. He became that living sacrifice. He covered us with his blood. And through his blood, we are allowed to communicate with God. So this was a necessity. Now, if we go back to the Genesis and we look at Cain and Abel, we see that one of them brought forth a lamb. And then when we're giving to God, it should be the best of the best. Other examples through the word, we see that they got the best of the flock, the best of the flock. It's always the best, the perfect lamb. That is what you sacrifice to God. You give him your best. And we know that the other brother, he was a tiller of the field. He grew grain and, and, and that sort of thing. And that's what he presented. Well, first of all, that doesn't work because that's not a blood sacrifice. And second of all, he held back from it. He didn't give everything that he should. He kept back more for himself. So and that's a story for another time. But we see that that didn't work. So it's been since the very beginning that we give the best to God. Now, it's real easy if you happen to be a landowner. If you own livestock, you simply just go out to the field. You can pick the best from your own stock and go there. And if you're, if you're wealthy, it's no problem. You can go and you can buy quality, a quality animal for sacrifice. A ram, a sheep, a goat is usually what would be a prime candidate, a yearling calf, for these types of sacrifices. But for a lot of people, they didn't have the means to be able to do that. So oftentimes, a dove would be what would use for the sacrifice because they were relatively inexpensive and available. So as people do... They had figured out a way where we can make some money off this situation. So they would set up and they would have these doves ready to go. Things wasn't close by. It took some travel. So without being able to have to travel with these things, being able to to find them along the way, being able to have them. So they would set up and as you walk through this, this entrance way, a space dedicated for prayer, you'd have all these tables set up and there's people exchanging money and setting up to to sell these doves so you could have something to sacrifice. 
Furthermore, if you did a little more study, you'd realize that even outside the temple, there would be other things going on. Gambling, prostitution. It was an all-in-one situation. You could go ahead and sin outside. You could collect up your offering on the way in and then present your offering to repent. They was making a mockery of God. They were making a mockery of the system all in the name of profit. It's not what it's about. And you can even see that in verse 18 it says, The scribes and the chiefs priests heard of it, and they sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, and all was astonished at his doctrine. So, they had their hands in everything, so of course, they were making a profit from what these people were doing. They were getting their cut of it, their percentage of it. And he was interrupting that flow of money, Jesus was, and also he is informing the people. You know, that's why it's so important for us to have knowledge. And knowledge based on truth. Knowledge that is filtered through the Word of God. Because it's so easy to be misinformed. You know, if you're brand new and you just willy-nilly pick a church and you walk in and things are done a certain way, you're going to believe that that is how it's done. If you do not take in, look into the Word of God and see and understand the truth. And for so many things in life, that's what we do. We turn on the TV and the news tells us something and we believe it. They tell us, they say, okay, what we need to do is the world is falling apart. We are, we're killing it. So you need to do your part and go out and buy an electric car. So do we do the research on that or we just take them at the word for it? Because if you take them at your word for it, you went and bought a seriously overpriced piece of machinery that's going to do a whole lot less and be a whole lot more aggravation than what you currently have now. And it's not going to make a difference. If everybody switched over to electric right now, it was only going to change the oil consumption in the world by about 20%. Because we get our electricity from those things. So now we're going to have to use more of it to be able to charge up these vehicles all the time. But they don't want to tell you that because that messes up the profit margins of this new technology they're trying to push and make a profit on. They don't tell you that you have to drive 
that vehicle for 60,000 miles before you ever start actually saving any money by doing so. They don't tell you that you have to drive that vehicle for 100,000 miles to offset the emissions put out by the vehicles and machinery it uses to mine the earth for the materials that takes to goes in that lithium-ion battery that's powering that vehicle. These are things they don't tell you. All they tell you is, is the hype. And that's the same thing that happened here. They walk in and it's like, hey, here's what we got to do. Have your fun outside. Come on in. Collect up your offering. Let's change a little bit of money. Make it nice and easy. It was one-stop shopping. Jesus said, no. This is a temple. You shouldn't be doing these things here. You shouldn't be conducting your business here. This is not a business. This is about our communication with God. This is a place of prayer, not of profit. That... There was a breakdown. We have the people that's taking advantage of the situation and they're making a profit off of God from the temple. And then you have the people that's coming in that's really not making a sacrifice. And I want you to think about that. You know, it's called a, a sacrifice. Of course, the, the animal is sacrificing its life. It's sacrificing its blood. But also, if we go back and look, we're taking the, the best. The best of the flock. So if you go out to your own flock and you pick the best that you have, that's the one that the meat would be the best. It would give you the best feast if you were to eat it. If you were to take it and market to sell it, it's the one that would fetch you the best price. But you're making that sacrifice to God. You're saying, here God, I'm giving you my best. This is what you deserve. It's making a sacrifice that's telling God that because what I need is important, that I'm willing to give you my best. Same thing if you're was to, if you're not a farmer, you don't have access to these things, but you got to go out. If you want the best in the field, the best product, you have to pay up. It's going to take the highest amount of money to get the very best. And what are we going to do? We're going to slaughter that. We're going to drain it, but we're going to give it to God. All the, the benefit goes to them. We're telling God it's, it's symbolic. 
Many of the things that we do, you know, we look at, at, at baptism. Baptism doesn't get you into heaven, but it's an outward showing of how you feel about God. We're showing everyone in the audience, we're showing God, we're, we're making a statement that, God, I am giving myself to you, that I am yours. And that was part of this sacrifice. It was that, that statement that we're making that, God, I am giving you the best. But here we have these little doves. And it was convenient. Now granted, there was people that was, this was all they could come up with. But that's the difference. And there's another line in the Bible that talks about the woman that gave her her two bits and how that was so much more than the rich man that gave a larger portion because she gave everything that she had. And for some people, a dove may be all they could come up with. That may be all they had. But that was the difference. Here, it was just convenience. It was just one-stop shopping. Well, I don't have to worry about going and getting the best. I'll just grab one of these doves. We can do our thing. And then it's done. As a matter of fact, it leaves more money. Now I can go spend it outside doing all the things out there of the world that I need to be repenting for when I come in here. It was making a, a mockery of it. You know, repentance only works is if we're truly sorry. We're all always looking for a loophole of how we can do whatever we want to do and then worry about the consequences later. That's why so many people wait. Well, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I want to be able to do what I want to do. I don't want God overseeing me. I don't want to have to abide by his rules. I want to be free to live my life the way I want to do it. But I'm going to wait till the very end. And then when it gets close, when I'm on my deathbed, that's when I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And I'm going to ask for Jesus and all these things so I can secure my spot into heaven. Well, there's some serious problem with that logic, as you can't imagine. You know, because we don't know when that day will come. We don't have that advance notice. Many of us are taken away in the blink of an eye. That's why we should be ready and ready to go each and every day and for any moment. The time is now. So we, we go through. So let's go back to, to Jesus. Many people refer to this as a righteous anger. Anger is anger no matter what the motivation or what it is. And God is, is angry sometimes. God is very controlled. God is not ruled by his anger. As many of us are. That we let our emotions take over no matter what they may be. And we feed our emotions. And we talked about turning the other cheek and, and what that, that meant. And it didn't mean to just 
stand by to be walked over. It meant not to retaliate. And Jesus most certainly wasn't on the defense here. He was definitely on the offense. He seen a problem and he took a stand to fix it. He made a a great point about what he was doing. First of all, he was in the temple, which is the house of the Lord. So he had full authority to be there and to do what needed to be done to preserve the house of the Lord. And no one stopped him. Because he does what he always does when he needs a defense. He turns back to the word of God. And as he taught and saying, it is not written, my house shall be called a nation of the house of prayer. But he has made it a den of thieves. He goes back to the word each and every time. And the thing of it is, when you do that, when it is written, end of argument. It's end of argument. We can't argue with the word of God. That's the ultimate truth. Sometimes we have to be warriors. Sometimes we have to stand up. Sometimes we have to to make a point. But we're too afraid because we might get labeled toxic. We might not fit in if we do things that are different, if we stand up for God. We want to mind our own business, and leave it up to someone else. Sometimes there's no one else. See, if we're all standing, waiting, and looking around, waiting for someone else to move, nobody's going to move. And if we don't call out sin... We allow it to happen. And we do the same thing today at our modern churches. It's about the bottom line. From the front, we have to be very careful about what we preach because we don't want to offend anybody. Because we got to keep the seats full, we got to keep the numbers high, we got to keep the offering rolling in. that's not what God teaches us. He tells us that we should give with a a giving heart. 
that if you're not if you're not feeling it in your heart, then just don't do it. That you're to give to keep the pastor taken care of, the church up and running. So this can stay and do and be part of our our community and part of our teaching, part of our connection with God. We should do that because we want to and want all these things, not because it looks good. Not because you're trying to oppress the person next to you when you throw that check into plate. For so many people, it's about what can I get? All these people were here, though, being cast out. They were there in that temple, not for God, but because what they were benefiting from it. And even the, the scribes and the chief priests. It was all about what am I getting from it? It was about teaching God because they were, they were using false teachings. They were against this fellow that brings the truth, that's breaking down their way because he's breaking down their prophets. It's not about numbers. It's not about a building. Jesus would go push out on a boat and draw in thousands because he was teaching good stuff. Good, solid, biblical teaching. People were dying to hear it. It's what they needed, what they wanted, what they desired. Now we desire to be entertained. They, they call up and they ask, not what do we teach on? Not what Bible do you use? Not what your belief systems are? What are your amenities? How are you going to entertain us? Do you have live music? Do you have... This for the kids. They have this and that. It's like all about what can you do for me? And it's not about our souls. It's not about our connection. It's not about our connection with God. It's about how can you babysit my kids for a couple hours a week? How is it that you can entertain me? How is it that you can fill my belly? How is it that you can stimulate my need for social conversation? But not once is it about God. And when it is, it's about, are you going to do it my way? See, I have certain needs that I need met. It doesn't matter if it's biblical or not, but I want to hear things my way. I want you to put comfort into my ears, not for what the truth says, not by God, but because the way I want it. I need you to cater to my feelings. And if you're willing to do these things, I'm willing you to grace you with my presence. I'm willing to add to your numbers. I'm willing to reach into my pocket and pick out the crumpled up bills and discard a few that I can live without. That's the way we look at church. Nobody's bringing... They're fatted lamb. Nobody's bringing the best of the flock. They're bringing the, the crumpled up leftovers they can do without. 
People liked this system because it was convenient. It was easy. It was inexpensive. When it comes to God, we seem to only want to do the bare minimum. Instead of giving Him our best, we want to give Him what we have left over. We give Him from the last, not the first. And then we wonder why we are not blessed. We wonder why we don't have abundance. And we blame Him. God, why are you forsaking me? You did it first. You forsake Him first. You tie His hands. You don't have faith. You don't follow the guidelines. You don't give Him a way to bless you. And we see this little bit of anger. We see this little bit of force. We see this little bit of what Jesus can do. And then we want to push that away because it don't fit the box that we put him in. It don't fit the mold that we have for him. So we don't want to use it. We want to put it away. We want to make Jesus weak. I want to share something else at the end of this, just a, something I've seen interesting. I don't know how much it fits with today's message, but I just want to add it on because, like I said, I, I saw it was real interesting. And the most interesting part about it was this is how true it is. And uh, it was a, a preacher, and he came in. On a Sunday service. And he was telling a story about how he'd been in this place he'd never been before. And he walked by and he seen this place that sold spiritual items. I.e. like witchcraft type things and, and things of the supernatural. And how he thought it was kind of interesting. So he took a stroll in and he found this book of spells. So... He bought that book of spells and he brought it in with him. And he thought that he was going to stand up at the pulpit. He's going to read a couple of them spells to the congregation. Well, as the camera panned around, you saw some very uncomfortable looking people. You saw them got some big old eyes. A matter of fact, even a couple of them stood up and walked out. And then he said, well, you know, I'm just kidding. He said, none of that really happened. As a matter of fact, the only book up I got up here is the Word of God. But you guys did a real good job of proving a point. Because each and every week, I stand up here and I talk about the Word of God and how powerful it is and how if you would exercise that and use it in your life and speak these words, how all these good things can come for you, how you can receive blessing, how you can receive from God and have your life enhanced. But yet you don't do it. You don't give it a try. You don't not even want. You dismiss it. You don't have faith. You don't believe it. 
But then I start talking about doing some wickedness up here and reading from a book of spells and people get unhinged and start leaving. And why is it that this negativity, that this foolishness, that this dark worldly stuff can have such a grasp and such a power on you, but the word of God we ignore? And that spoke to me because, you know, I feel that way each and every week. I get up here and talk about all this good, good stuff that God's got for us. He tells us how to be prosperous, how to be healed, how to overcome demons, how to do all these things that we face in the world. And I don't see it happening. I stand up here giving you the the secrets to life each and every week. And I should hear hooping and hollering and smiling. And I look out there and you're barely awake. Send it out. You can hear this all over the world. In any country. We are format free. We are coast to coast and, and... Side to side, any place you want. Thank you, my overseas listeners. And we have all this goodness. And we should have just numbers just going off the charts. We should be sharing this and passing it on. You know, that's what the thing is like. I get excited each and every week because I'm like, okay, God, what are we going to talk about this week? And something will jump out in front of me. It's like, okay, I'm excited about it. If you're excited about it, we're going to do it. And then there's some weeks like, are you sure? I'm like, okay, I'm still excited about it because that's what you want to do. And then sometimes I get everything all ready to go and then all of a sudden at the last minute God changes his mind or he redirects me. And we got to do something different. But that's okay too. But I'm always excited about it. This is the, the best part about it. I don't care about the music. I don't care about all the, the business aspects of it. I don't care about it. This is my favorite part to get up here and to Speak the word of God. It excites me because I'm learning something as I as getting downloaded to me and I'm sending it out to you and I'm just hoping each and every week if I could just reach one person, if I could just one person can hear and have their life changed, that God can get their message through me to someone else. That is what I'm looking for. Just one person. Just one day I want to hear, it's like, man, I listened to that message and it changed my life. You're welcome. You're welcome. Not trying to get rich and famous, just trying to save some souls. But yet, we don't listen, we don't give it a try. We'll swallow every diet pill on the market, we'll try every crazy, crazy Diet plan, we'll try this, we'll try every kind of gimmick going, we'll be scammed. But the one thing we seem to not want to try at all is this Word of God. What do you have to lose? Why is it so resistant? Let's just stop right there before I get into something else. Bow with me, please.